Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Do me a favor, subscribe to the John Conn Report wherever you get your podcasts. You're watching on YouTube. Hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button. You can find us there as part of Empire Media. That's A-M-P-I-R-E. Always much appreciated. We're going to keep pumping out the content for you. Today, I'm joined by Sportico's Evan Novi williams as we discuss something that's right up his alley, and that's the business of sports as it pertains to the Washington Commander sale. Evan knows his stuff. He's covered the sports business industry for a while, and he has his own pod. He has a podcast called called Sportacast. You can follow him on Twitter at Novi N O V Y hyphen Williams. He's an expert in this area, folks. So we get into all the particulars of the Commanders' sale, the lurking presence of Jeff Bezos. We talk about some of the groups involved, including Josh Harris, Todd Bowley, what those groups would look like if they won the bidding. We also, again, we talk about the lurking presence of Bezos, how that affects the price right now and possibly things going forward. Trust me on this. The Bezos group has had chances to say that they're not interested. They haven't come out and said that yet. Why is that? So we get into all that. The banks, trust me, want Bezos involved because it drives up the price. You know, would Dan Snyder feel compelled to sell to the highest bidder or could he eschew a bid by, let's say, Bezos if he doesn't want to sell to him? and go to a lower bidder. Again, we get into all that. Will be a full or partial sale? The expectation that I've heard all along has been, especially the expectation internally, has been a full sale. But is that for sure? Well, until it happens, we're going to cover every scenario. So we do get over into some possible scenarios. I still think the most likely one is a full sale. But again, until it's done, we don't know. And then we get into the timetable of this as well. So a lot to cover in that. And it's something to keep you informed because I think this is all important to know as we go forward with this process. So again, you can follow Eben. Again, I get, told you on Twitter at Novi-Williams and then listen to his podcast called Sportacast. So I hope you enjoy him because he was very informative. In a minute, I'll get to that, but I want to go over a couple offensive coordinator situation or excuse me, coordinator names and just that whole situation before we turn back to the sale. So what we know right now this week is that they're, they've interviewed three people, and that's Pat Shermer, Ken Zampezi, and Charles London, who is the Atlanta Falcons quarterbacks coach. I, we also know that Daryl Bevel, longtime NFL play caller, coordinator, basically he told them that he wasn't interested in the job. He's also told other teams that too. Washington has one of 10 jobs that is open for an offensive coordinator. That's tough, folks. Not Trust me on this, though. They're open for a reason. They're not all these jobs are all that great. Like there's definitely flaws with this job and there's flaws with other ones too. So the question is, which one is most flawed and where do you get the most security? I think the security part is a tough one here because with Ron Rivera going into his fourth year, no winning seasons yet, you've, you, you know with a new owner, you're going to have to produce. That's just the way it is. 
And until you do that, then you're going to be on that. You're certainly going to enter on the hot seat because of that. So who's going to want to come here in that situation? Well, there are people who would. So are, you, are they the kind you want? We'll see. But again, we the, the ones we know are there. Bevel says no. Um, the other name lurking out there is Eric Studesville. I think he will be in for an interview early next week. That is a think, not a not a lock as of yet. I think by the time I think by the time you listen to this on if it's Friday afternoon, I do believe I'll have an answer at that point if he is coming in or not. So stay tuned for that. I think he is an interesting think. Actually, in this case, I do believe he's an interesting uh, candidate in this whole position because of some of the things I've heard from him from a few people in this industry, and he's been a pretty much a running backs coach most of his career, most if not all of his career. He's also been a coordinator, but he's really highly respected as a run game coordinator. There's a reason why multiple staffs keep this guy around. When he was in Denver, I think it was four different coaches. He was hired, I think he's hired that, but he's kept by three other coaches throughout regime changes. You don't do that unless you're really good at what you do. And then in Miami, he was kept around by new coach Mike McDaniels for the same reason. He's, again, highly respected for the run games that he puts together, and he has a reputation for knowing how to protect the passer. That's a big deal here. Why? Because they want to run the ball, and they need to protect the passer. Those are two huge issues. So that's something that's right up his alley. I will be honest. Like One of the things I heard about Pat Shermer is, that he didn't do, especially like in Denver, did not do a great job in that area. I've heard some mixed thoughts on him from people. Um, some people like him and some people are just like, yeah, he got better when they weren't, you know, later in his career when he was with Chip Kelly, they felt like it helped him as a play caller. So we'll see. I think a benefit of him is he's certainly been around for a while and has done it. And I think if you're Rivera, do you take the guy who's been around like that going into a key year? Is that the bigger risk, or would you would you go with a guy like Studesville who hasn't called plays, but maybe he's a guy that fits what you want to do and can bring some level of energy? And I, you know, my understanding kind of coaches guys hard. You know, all that stuff is pretty good. I think what this team needs though is somebody who knows how to design a strong run game and protect the passer, and then also create a pass game off of that. That last part will be the key. And if and when he does interview, that's the part he's going to have to sell Rivera on. Can he be that guy? Now, in Denver, my understanding is it sounded like he was kind of on a track to becoming a play caller. And he was an interim coach in 2010 after they fired Josh McDaniels. And I think that kind of sidetracked him a little bit. It's hard to get back on there on that track as a running backs coach. So I don't but again, I don't know what kind of guy he would be in that regard. I just know some of the things right now, early returns on what you hear about guys is that and I think with Shermer you're going to hear more mixed thoughts because he's done it. There's more of a track record with a guy like with Eric Studesville, there is no track record. So you're not going to hear that as a play caller. We don't know. So there there's, you know, just because he's new doesn't mean he'd be better. It's that those are some things you'll hear about him in his current position. Anyway, it's all interesting. I do think, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if by the end of next week or yeah, week week from now that we know who the coordinator is. Not for sure. Don't hold me to that, please. But I do think that we'll have, you know, I think we'll get it by then. Um, unless there are, unless there are, the only way we don't is if there are a couple guys who say, yes, Ron, I'm interested, but let me go through this head coach, whole coaching process first. If that's the case, then it could go on just a little bit longer, but we will see. Hopefully I'll have better information for you come Monday on the next podcast. 
So there you go. And by the way, one of the things I want to do, I'm going to talk to ESPN's Jordan Reed, not former Washington tight end Jordan Reed, but ESPN's Jordan Reed, the draft analyst about Sam Howell, how he compares to the quarterbacks in this class and some of the early thoughts in the draft class. And I say the early thoughts because I know he's pretty high in the corner class in this draft. And I think that's going to be a key spot for this team to address in the off season. So, and I will ask about the offensive line too. Anyway, and it'll just be an early quick look at the draft, focusing on what he thought about how coming out and how he feels he compares to this quarterback class. And should Washington consider anybody in that class, or would you just roll with how? Anyway, there you go. That's it for me. So let's get to my conversation with Sportico's Eben Novi Williams. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. The NFL playoff action continues. We're one step closer to Super Bowl 57. And for the NFL divisional round, check out DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet just $5 and get 200 in free bets instantly. Plus, all new and existing customers can take a shot at an even bigger payout with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Boost your NFL winnings with each leg you add up to 100%. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code KIME, K-E-I-M. New customers can bet $5 on the NFL Divisional Round and get 200 in free bets instantly only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code KIME. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Well, Evan, this is a, an interesting process here, and it's kind of hard to even know where to start with all this with the commander's sale. Where do you think we're at in this process? Because we know there was a deadline that wasn't really a firm deadline to submit bids. Some people did, some people didn't. Where in general do you think we're at right now with this? Yeah, it, it's so hard to tell. And and John, I, no team, two team sales are alike, but this one has been particularly bizarre, I think for a lot of reasons. One of them being oftentimes when, when teams are for sale in leagues, all the other owners want to be involved in the process to a degree. They want to stay informed. They want to know what's happening. Who are the bidders, et cetera. In the NFL, particularly around this one, everybody seems to be very hands-off. And, and I've talked to a few owners and people that work for owners about why. I get the sense that everyone in the NFL wants Dan to reach the conclusion on his own that he should and, 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 and wants to sell the team. They want him to do it for a really high number. It makes all of their teams worth more money. But 
everybody is kind of afraid of, of, of poking too much, prodding too much, and maybe forcing him to change his mind. So there's been a lot less chatter, I think around the NFL around this sale than we've seen in other sports or even around other NFL teams. And that leaves everybody asking a lot of the same questions, which is what was the deadline? Who, who bid, where was Jeff Bezos, which we can get into. Um, And also what are the prices looking like? And then lastly, what, what is Dan planning to do? Does he want to sell the whole thing? Does he want to sell a path to control? Is he looking for LPs? I don't think really any of those questions have been answered right now. No, and I don't think they are. And it's funny because they're going back to the NFL owners. Ursay comes out at the meetings in the fall and says what he did. And since then, it's like there seems to have been a directive, like like you said, don't poke the bear. You, you know, and, and what they're they're they don't want to have. They're afraid of what may come out if you start poking the bear, it seems like. I, I think that's right. And, and you know better than almost anybody, Dan, is a fairly volatile person as a, as a businessman. Yeah, I think that there is optimism that the end result here is that there is a new managing owner of the controlling owner of the commanders at some point relatively soon. And, and because of that, I think a lot of NFL owners are saying, I don't need to know more. I'm going to let all of this play out as it would. And hopefully when... Either you or me or, or some other journalist breaks the news. We'll be happy with what the uh, what the end result was. So, and I, want, I do want to bring up the phrase "relatively soon" because we've heard that throughout, and it's been for a little while in this process. Because I think when fans hear "soon," they're thinking, "Could it be next week? Two weeks? Three weeks?" In this process, what do you think relatively soon means? It's so hard to tell. If you had asked me that question nine months ago or a year ago, I would have said these things take months. And then Roman Abramowitz sold Chelsea in a in a right. three and a half billion dollar transaction in, in six weeks. Right. And, and and that was that was faster than we've probably ever seen these deals come together. But it's certainly possible for that to happen. I, I think in the in the Jeff Bezos scenario, that there was a world in which if he was interested or if he is interested, that this could happen very quickly at a very easy big number. And I think if Jeff is indeed not interested, then I think it becomes a bit more complicated. One of the things that we are seeing across all sports, and I think this is true of the Lerner family, which has put the the Nationals, the baseball team on the market, um, is that a lot of times people want to test the market. They don't know for sure they want to sell. It seems like a good time to sell a sports team. The Suns just sold for a $4 billion valuation. Everybody that owns a sports team in the US looked at that number and thought, great. My team is worth a lot more than it was a week ago because of that number. So I do think there's to a degree, maybe Dan is just testing the market and seeing, look, if someone offers me 7 billion, great. I I get out. I made a lot of money. Everything's great. If the offers are 6 billion, maybe I'm not as interested. So, so, so there's a degree, I think where, where maybe it is just kind of testing the market. Um, But I, I would not be shocked by either thing. If you told me this, this was done in, in three weeks, it wouldn't shock me. And if you told me that this dance was still going on in the, at the start of, of the 2023 NFL season, it, it honestly, it wouldn't, it wouldn't shock me that much either. How much does it help that with a lot of, some of the prospective buyers went through this process to bid on Denver? I think it makes a big difference. So if if you look at someone like Josh Harris, who owns a a, a large piece of the 76ers, a large piece of the Devils, was involved in the in the Broncos, unsuccessfully involved in that auction. The NFL has, has been through this with him. They they know who he is. He's probably gone through some sort of a background check to a degree already. I think that makes things uh, a bit easier. The, the truth now at this point, John, is that the these teams are worth so much money. 
the putting down buying any asset for six billion dollars, the amount of people that have the ability to, to to write that check or to finance that deal is just so small that it, it, the, the background checks, the, the, the days of somebody trying to buy a, a team and, and and no one knowing who they are are essentially gone for the NFL. So, so in some ways we're, we're talking about a strata of rich people that, that, that in some ways kind of vets itself already. Um, but there's no question that having the Broncos sale, uh, the fact that, the, and that, that, that took a long time, but the fact that people like Josh Harris or a Todd Bowley thought about putting together some money, talk to other people who might want to join them in a bid. The fact that all those, those wheels were already greased to a degree just 12 months ago, probably makes the process a bit easier, both on the buy side and on the sell side when it comes to the commanders. With, with some of the, you know, the groups, the, the big name out there, like you said, is Jeff Bezos. Yeah. How they have his side has not come out and said no, he's not interested. So until they do, his name's going to always be there. Do you feel like this kind of pushes some of the other groups from offering maybe more than what they'd want to? This is this is the the biggest question, the hundred and twenty billion dollar question hanging over the whole thing. Everybody wants to know what is Jeff Bezos thinking, and the truth is that Jeff. And he knows this. He doesn't need to bid in the earliest rounds. He doesn't need to formally do it right now. If I was Bank of America selling this team, I would want it very clear to the market that Jeff Bezos is not involved quite yet. This is the big question because everybody else uh, is worth a lot less than Jeff Bezos. Nobody wants to get in a bidding war with him. They know that if Jeff Bezos wants this team and Dan is willing to sell it to him, which is another kind of wrinkle there, that Jeff Bezos is going to get this team. And bankers, lawyers, investors, nobody wants to waste their time spending five months, two months, whatever it is, looking at putting together an offer, raising money uh, to try to buy the commanders and then to learn that they never had a shot in the first place. Um, and again, if, if I was selling this team, even if Jeff had told me he was interested, um, I would try as hard as possible to make sure that that never came out because I, again, I don't want to spook the rest of the market. And we saw this exact thing play out with the, with the Broncos, uh, Rob Walton's name did not come out immediately. And the people around that sale really didn't want it to come out when it did, because that was a signal to everybody else. Oh, this is the 11th richest person in the world. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to outbid this guy. Uh, So the fact that he's interested makes me less interested. So I think for the sake of trying to have a vibrant auction, trying to have other groups that that, that get to a bigger number, I think everybody's interest right now is, is not to have Jeff Bezos be the center of this conversation, but it's impossible in some ways impossible to do that. And I think until there is a deal in place with someone that is not Jeff, I think his specter is going to loom over the whole process unless he comes out and publicly says he's not interested. Yeah. I think that people are going to ask this question up until the final moment of the final bids, just because again, when, when you're Jeff Bezos, you can enter this process essentially whenever you want. And you know that you, you can offer 500, $800 million more than the next closest person and, and close that deal very quickly. And I think then it goes, you kind of said something, and this is something we've all heard, which is would Dan or wondered and certainly heard the possibility that would Dan want to sell to him? Yeah. And if if there is something with on his side where he's like, I will never sell this guy, how much can the NFL come back to him and say, if you don't sell this guy, looking at the offer he just made, we're going to release this report or we're going to, you know what I mean? Like you wonder about that aspect too. And, and does, does he have full control over who he ends up selling to? For, to my knowledge, he does have, have full control. This is very much not a situation like what we saw with, 
uh, with Donald Sterling. I mean, even Robert Sarver, who right. came to the conclusion was forced to sell kind of however you want to parse that. Robert Sarver had to sell the Phoenix Suns, but he had full control over uh, over what that process was like. And if he did not want to sell to Matt Ishbia and Matt Ishbia was the, the highest bid at $4 billion, and there was someone at 3-2 that Robert wanted to sell to, I don't think the NBA would have or even had the ability to step in and force him to go to the higher number. And and my guess is that that's true with the commanders as well. Uh, I, I am personally, and I, and, I, and I don't know this for sure, I'm kind of skeptical that if Jeff Bezos is offering seven and 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 Josh Harris is offering six point two, I would be shocked if Dan Snyder chose the 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 significantly lower number, um, just because of his other feelings about about Jeff and the Washington Post or whatever it is. Um, that would really surprise me. But again, I I think that the NFL, going back to what we were talking about at the beginning, I think the NFL is really giving a wide berth on this. I think they're being really hands off, and as much as if I owned a different NFL team, as much as I would love to have Jeff Bezos be part of the club and as much as I would love for the commanders to sell for $7 billion, if the end result is that it sells to a little less for another very rich person that's not named Jeff Bezos and Dan Snyder ends up exiting the club, I think I consider that to be a win to a large degree as well. So again, I don't think the NFL really has that power and I would be shocked okay. if they even tried to exercise it. Well, because you wonder too, with the specter of the Mary Jo White investigation hanging around out there, how that how that also influences the timing of everything. No question. And I, I, I'd be curious to your thoughts. I mean, you you, you cover this team intensely. How, how different do you expect that report to be? I mean, how, how much do you think kind of new we're going to learn and I how much do you think depends. actionable half of it? Yeah. And I think that's the big question because initially it was just supposed to be about the Tiffany Johnston situation that came up at that roundtable hearing in early February last year. And that situation, they were going to investigate that because that was new. Well, that doesn't seem like it would take a year to investigate. And, yeah. you know, there are some, there was that the other um, situation that was settled because the team playing to something else. Was there something else that they learned about that? Was there something else hanging on? I think there's a lot of questions that makes you wonder because of how long it's been and because of what they were initially said they were going to do with it, that, you know, is there something more that they found? It's a lot of the stuff that some of the women went through is public. We hmm. they testified. It's all out there. The only thing that would really be new is what happened on that plane. And if that ever came out, that would be the one where you'd wonder about it. But there's I don't have any proof of that. So that but that's when you but it does. Everything makes you wonder in this case. Yeah, I feel like, like deja vu almost every time there's a new either a new lawsuit or new findings or new hearings about what has gone on in 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 the commander's world in the past 20 years. I just feel like I, I, I mean, at the, at the point now where. I, I just I can't even remember if I've heard this anecdote before. If this is, <laughs> if this is a new anecdote, yeah. should I have new outrage about this or just the the general outrage I had when I read about it the first time? Yeah, there's just so many layers to what's going on. There's been so much great, both really good reporting and also obviously between lawsuits and and, and congressional stuff. So, so some some really other good avenues for for facts to come out that I'm kind of now at the point where nothing surprises me. Right. I'm honestly like can't even remember what I've what I've read before and what's new. Um, and I think a lot of people feel that way, both both fans and people who work in the NFL as well. I, I, th I think you're absolutely right. Could you see a situation too where it's a sell a limited partnership with the intent of selling the whole thing within X number of years. I, I could see that. Yeah. That's the only, that's the only thing that seems reasonable for me in terms of 
of, of Dan raising money that's not a controlling stake now. Given the way the the very high profile way that that his last limited partners fought and exited the team, I I just don't understand how, and I and I don't really see a world in which someone is willing to buy twenty percent of the commanders and just leave it at that. That's right. a very different conversation, as you said. If I'm buying twenty percent now, but the the contract says in writing that Dan is willing to sell the whole thing to me in five years or ten years, even. So yeah, the only way I can see a, a limited stake trading is if there is some written and with a strict timeline, a guarantee that the, the, the person, man or woman who's buying that limited stake is going to have a shot at buying the whole thing at some point in the relative near future. And I guess the, to, the, the curious thing for me would be why would Dan want to do that? It's, but to be honest, I think it would be to build a stadium so he could have the stadium. Yeah, I mean, there's he's already taken on a bit of debt, from what I understand. The stadium obviously is going to is going to require a lot more money. I do think that the the stadium is just harder to do when when Dan Snyder is the one trying to trying to do it at this point, given the way that that local lawmakers seem to have reacted to to the whole Very thing. Much so. Um, yeah, so exactly. I think that there's I think there's other hurdles to the stadium that that is not just uh, whether Dan himself sure. has has the money to do it. Uh, but, but yeah, there was, I, I had heard that, that Dan had been telling people around the NFL about a year ago that he was looking to raise LP money. So was looking right. to sell minority stakes and, and, and obviously so much has changed in the commander's world and also around Dan Snyder in the past 12 months. So that obviously could, could, could be very different in terms of what he's thinking about now, but there was kind of always an assumption around the NFL for the past few years that at some point around the stadium, Dan was going to need to raise money. Um, and, and that has come kind of collided with a lot of the other issues and his hiring of Bank of America. So again, I've, it, it's very unclear to me and, and maybe Dan doesn't even know what he really intends to do right now, but there's at least a group of people in the NFL that, that have known for a while and thought for a while that Dan was going to be trying to raise LP money. I just don't see it given his reputation, given the way the other ones have, have played out. I just don't see that happening right now. It seems his name is a hindrance to any stadium deal right now, based on yeah. what we have heard. I'm sure you've heard a lot of the same stuff. And so there, how much does a stadium, the the having to build a stadium, how does that change, add, enhance the value of what somebody would be buying? Yeah, I think add is the right word there. And I think that that would probably surprise a lot of fans. It certainly makes the team more expensive, N not just the top line number, but you know that if you right. buy the commanders for $7 billion, you're, you may need to put another three into a new stadium or five if you're going the Stan Kroenke uh, route. Right. But but we talk a lot about owners wanting new owners. They don't want turnkey. They want the ability to come in and put their stamp on a team. And, and Chelsea's a great example of that. Chelsea needs a new venue of some sort in London. Todd Bowley and Clear Lake Capital, very aware of that. And I know they're excited about the idea of trying to solve that riddle and trying to solve it in a way that is really additive from a business standpoint. And and new stadiums, whether it's not new anymore, but what, what Jerry did in Dallas or what Stan did out in, in LA, if you mix, you know, retail with a little bit of residential and you have mixed use, you have a hospital, you have housing, you put all those things together, you get a really good business model where the team is the center of the spoke. And in the NFL, you have essentially 16 days, eight days a year where you're making money. Uh, but if you have a mixed use retail, that's 365 days a year where where you're making money. The, the the Braves are another great example of a of a sports team that has done this right. So every new owner in in all of these sports is looking at 
real estate as one of the main ways alongside media, the main ways they can parlay that asset into a lot more money. And I do think that even though it makes the whole enterprise more expensive, I think a lot of people who are looking at the commanders see the idea of I can I, I can be the person that brings a new stadium by virtue of not being Dan. Right. And I can build that stadium in a way that really, really maximizes the, the the business of this franchise and the business of the whole umbrella company 365 days a year. And I think that's an advantage. Uh, and, 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 and just as a contrast real quick, the Broncos were a little different, right? The Broncos are not going to have a new stadium in the next five years, probably not going to have a new one in the next 10 years. So Rob Walton doesn't really have that, uh, right. doesn't have that ability, at least not immediately. The owner of the commanders, the new owner of the commanders, if there is one, will have that ability right at the right at the start then also you buy the practice facility which is high premium land in Loudoun County 255 acres and then the stadium in in Prince George's how much does that add to the value of it? because you, whatever you want to do with the land you can do yeah, it can it can be huge, and 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 we saw that go go wrong to a degree in Carolina with with David Tepper and the and the Panthers trying to get a development done right over the border in South Carolina that that, that fell apart, and 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 David actually ended up taking a a pretty big financial loss, from what I understand, on, on on that whole process. But again, yeah, any any real estate that the team has, practice facilities are even an, another good example, right? I'll go back to Dallas. What what the Cowboys have built around right. their practice facility is a is a massive and that's massive what I hear these guys. Gen- want to do exactly yeah. and, and so if you can do that if you can make that a place that the commanders fans want to go in august to see the team to watch them practice and also oh there's there's all this other stuff here and there's an esports arena and there's mixed-use retail and i can do my shopping here and there, there's a high school and, and and maybe maybe college games that are happening around um there's a way to build that also into in, in, into a big revenue driver as well and again especially if you're talking about someone with jeff bezos's money the, the fact that it would cost cost a little bit more money to do that. Um, I think, yeah, d- does, uh, is not outweighed by the fact that it's just a great opportunity and a way to build what the commanders and what the commanders adjacent businesses look like for the next 20 years. And to do that really in the next two years. Um, Josh Harris is a guy, again, bid on, bid on the Broncos, owns two other franchises. David Blitzer, part of that group, who is also doing what we said earlier about the Guardians, where He's a minority partner with the intention possibly of buying the team down the road. What do you know about Josh as an owner? How is, how is he, you know, I know there's been, there's always criticism of an owner in any sports city, but what is, how has he been received? How is he perceived as an owner in those other sports? Yeah, I think he, he has a good reputation. The thing that I have always found so interesting about Josh, particularly around bidding for teams is that he's a value investor. It's what he was doing at Apollo. It's the way he's looked at all these other franchises from what I, he was the the second, I believe the runner up when, when Steve Cohen bought the Mets. Yeah. And from what I understand, Josh was a, was a billion dollars short of Steve Cohen. Uh, Josh looks at, at, at these franchises when he's bid on them in the past and, and really closer than almost anybody else, I think values them at what they are. And what we've seen in the past is that that doesn't get you the team. Right. The person who was looking at the Suns and saying, this is what the Phoenix Suns are worth, was was dramatically outbid by Matt Ishbia by a billion dollars plus. Um, so I, I think that if Josh is going to get the commanders, my guess is that he's going to need to break from that model to a degree. I think he's going to be willing, have to force himself to overspend because that's what it takes to buy a multi-billion dollar sports asset right now. 
Um, and and he looked at the at the uh, at the at the Broncos. He looked at the at Chelsea. From what I understand, um, I don't know if he made an actual bid for Chelsea. But the, the the thing that's always interesting to me about Josh is that the way he values these teams and the way he bids makes me think that if he keeps that up, I'm not sure if he's ever going to get to actually buy one. Um, but that said, he has the money. Uh, he, he's been very successful with what they've built in, in 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 both Philadelphia and in New Jersey. Continuing again, this idea of real estate. They own the Prudential Center where the Devils play. I think they've done a really good job there. Um, and I, yeah, I'm sure that in, in the world of NFL owners, as they look at and vet new people for the club, I think Josh is exactly the type of person uh, that, that that NFL owners would love to see sitting across the table at owners meetings. And Todd, Todd Bowley, there's some reports that maybe he's out don't know. Um, it could also be that he gets paired with some pairs with somebody else. Yeah. What do you know? He he too owns sports teams. What do what do you what's the yeah, one? so he's he's also an interesting one because he is very usually paired with somebody else and is usually not the main money person. If you look at Chelsea, he got he got most of the attention. And and I think if you were to ask most casual soccer fans or who just bought Chelsea, they would say it's Todd Bowley. Right. But the main money was Clear Lake Capital, a big private equity firm in in California. Todd has his hands full uh, is an understatement, I think, with what's happening in London right now. He is kind of breaking the mold as we speak about spending and what what contracts look like in in the EPL. I would be surprised, I think, if Todd was a, was a seriously involved for the commanders, just given that there's just so much going on in his right. life right now from a, from a sports asset. But he was looking at simultaneously, he was looking at um, at both Chelsea and the Broncos. And one of the big questions we had during that process was, if he gets one of these, is he automatically out for the other? And we kept hearing that he was willing to and interested in both. So maybe, maybe it is true that he can simultaneously do what he's doing with Chelsea and also have whatever his obligations are with the Dodgers and, and everything else that he owns in his portfolio and also be a bidder and an owner with the commanders. But um, that would surprise me to a degree, but I have not heard anything either, either way concrete on that. Last question then, is there, is there someone that you'd say, keep an eye on this group that, you know, obviously Bezos is the guy everybody's got to keep an eye on, but aside from that, because Josh would seem a natural one as well. Who is there someone else that you'd say, keep an eye on here? Yeah, it's it, this is kind of a cop out, but the I, I would I always say keep an eye on the person that that you that has not spoken about it, right? The usually when these teams go for sale, there's somebody, someone very early on that throws their hat in the ring, talks publicly about it. That person is almost always the last person in, in in the bidding, right? The right. person who feels the need to uh, feels the need to kind of puff up their own image about Correct. about the auction usually is the last person there, and, and and almost always there's the the mystery bidder, right? You, yep. you you find out oh there's three bidders and one of them's Bowley and one of them is Harris, and there's a mystery bidder that has a banker and a lawyer that's never done these things before and has magically stayed totally out of the uh, out of the reporting limelight. So. I always feel like, and I, I wish I knew who these people were. I would be, I would be reporting them if both. I did. Yeah, exactly. But, but I generally feel like if there is somebody serious that ha- no reporters have gotten a whiff of, my guess is that might, might end up being the most serious of the bunch when it's all said and done. Right. And that's, that's been my sense too. Evan, I appreciate yeah. you joining me. Tell people where they can follow you. Twitter, you got your podcast, Sportico, let them know. This is fun. Thanks, John. Yeah. So I, I write over at Sportico. We cover just the business side of sports. So for people who are interested in billion dollar team sales, marketing deals, naming rights, all that, uh, sportico.com is where you can find us. And I co-host the Sportacast with our editor in chief, Scott Soshnick. That is a Monday and Wednesday every week podcast. So check us out there or go to sportico.com. Evan, thank you very much. Really appreciate it. Thanks, John.
That's it for this episode. Thanks to Evan for joining me and thank you as always for listening. I'll be back, like I said, on Monday with another podcast talking to ESPN's Jordan Reed, the draft analyst, talking to Sam Howell, how he compares to some of the quarterbacks in his draft, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Talk to you next time.